yet again it's uh, always a pleasure jake love so, being here i gotta be straightforward with our audience right up front i have been having video quality and i'm not sure if it's weirdly related to this windstorm that's going on because my cable lines including my internet cable are above ground hanging right outside the house so i don't know if they are <laughs> shattering in the wind and <laughs> causing actual issues uh so if the sound quality and audio quality isn't that great on this one, it's because of a windstorm in Rochester. Sure. We're going to blame nature for our poor setups. Uh, well, you know what? Before we get going, I bought this really nice computer, and my Wi-Fi box, I can touch it right now. It does not have an Ethernet port on it. I either have to buy an Ethernet to USB or one of those USB-C dongles that has the vga and everything on it and i was very disappointed because i have green light i could connect to ethernet and have amazing quality through a wired connection doesn't have it oh that's hilarious my computer has that little ethernet port that uh pops out because the computer is technically too thin Mm. and then it it comes out and then it opens up a little bit for any of the computer nerds that are listening. I find that fun. I enjoy that. Well, I find I, that's like an unnecessary level of engineering. Like we really, we know this person really would like an Ethernet port, so we're going to over-engineer this, and it's going to be mint. I'm at the point where I'm considering buying an Ethernet to USB port, so that when we do this, I can be on Ethernet instead of wireless, even though I am four feet or less away from the box. <laughs> you should. I will stick with my shitty spectrum because it's that or Frontier. And uh, we all know that's not an actual choice. So. Well, my PlayStation 4 is now wired. So, And if Ooh. I can ever find a PlayStation 5, uh, you know, through like multiple sacrifices, through tons of old gods, uh, I might be able to find <laughs> one before Christmas. That might end up down here, too. So, Speaking of old gods... What are we talking about today, Jake? So today we're going to talk about ancient Roman politics, but uh, I think we should start with what we're drinking today, and it it's kind of a different one, so... Yeah, you picked this one out, so you're going to have to explain how this unholy concoction came to be. Yeah, so uh, we're doing ancient Rome, so we're like, oh, maybe we should drink like a wine or a mead, and you recommended maybe we find a beer aged in a wine barrel, which are extremely rare to find so i headed over to aj's beer warehouse over in henrietta and was like okay what do i got and my wife came with me and she's like hey look at this one empire deep purple made with concord grapes so i figured 
This is probably going to be the closest thing I'm going to find to a wine in a beer. So we got Empire Deep Purple. Perfect. And I will say my journey to find this was not nearly as um, exciting um, from a uh, journey standpoint, but was very exciting for me in the fact that um, so you went to AJ's, you you found this um, glorious brew, which we'll soon find out if it truly is glorious. And then I was shopping at my local Wegmans. I would be able to find this and I'd have to go on a Homer's Odyssey-esque adventure to find it. And scouring the shelves and finally in a moment of desperation I give up and I turn around and standing in front of me is a shelf and I see uh, a four pack of an Empire Brew and I was like wait that's the logo you don't think they have it and then right there in the center of their entire display was the deep purple one singular four pack amidst all the rest waiting for me divine intervention at its finest as the price tag underneath it was not even related to the deep purple so uh the gods meant it to be one may say that jupiter himself put a blessing onto you (laughs) to find this beer absolutely well let's uh let's open this and try this thing Ooh, crispy it smells like a wine when you open it i have not even tasted this oh yes i get i get you know the initial crack i got beer but now that it's had a like a second to breathe I don't know what I'm drinking. It kind of tastes like a beer mixed with grape juice. I bought an entire four pack of this. I don't know if that was a good decision. This is why I like AJ's. You can buy singles on every single beer. No, see, I I dive full in and then um, I end up feeding our leftovers uh, to friends. Um uh, I got an interesting, uh, I won't even call it a six-pack, because it was six different drinks, but mix and match at AJ's. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rate this on a scale of one to five. I'm giving this one a two. It's yeah, like it's, a... It's weird. You know, what it, you know what it tastes like? It tastes like someone poured Jenny Light into a cup that previously had grape juice in it. And didn't bother to rinse out the cup. <laughs> well, I had a mouthful when you made me laugh, Sam. Uh, but right... Like, like this is like... You know, you're being good all day. You're being healthy. You, you poured yourself a nice glass of Concord grape juice. And you drank it. And then, you know, you're done with dinner. And you're like, you know what? 
I deserve a beer. So you go into the fridge and you crack open an ice cold Jenny. But you don't really want to drink out of the can because you want to be a little fancy. But not too fancy. And you're a little lazy. So that cup, you don't really rinse out. And that's what we're drinking right now. I got to take a step back on what you said, because while I was laughing with it in my mouth, I really got to absorb the flavor (laughs) palette and just make a minor disagreement with you. The cup had grape juice in it, and Thornton, you poured a Jenny cream ale in it. This is definitely not a Jenny light. This is definitely a cream ale with grape juice in it. Oh, which it's it's fantastic. I'm going to pound this as quickly as possible to get through it. I don't mind a Jenny cream ale without grape juice in it, but when you add <laughs> grape juice to it, uh, yeah, I'll drink this, but uh, it's not great. No, oh, this was, uh, well, you know what? This is going to be perfect for talking about Rome. All right, so ancient Rome. Uh, <laughs> this, this, uh, sorry, I just got to go back. I mean, this, this is going to be chalked up to, uh, like, our our list of you know obscure brews that is going to exist at the Bull Moose Tavern when it actually gets formed. It'll be this and uh, the cream cream ale that we came up with before. Cream cream ale, yes. Because single cream wasn't you know hard enough. Well, you know, before we go into uh, this, I got to tell you the other beer I got. I don't remember the name of it, but the flavor description on the side of it is vanilla chocolate. And pumpkin pie stout at like a 8.9% oh, ABV. God. And I have wow. not tried it yet, but that is uh, what I'm looking forward to. I just want to read a little bit of this description on the on the <laughs> side of this can real quick before we move on. Fruity, not really. Tart, eh, dry, huge grape aroma. Yeah. I, I mean, was the person who believed this had a huge grape huge grape aroma can't talk tonight uh like infected with covid and you know unable to smell and was just like yeah that smells like grapes like i mean uh, oh do better do better we uh we we usually ask for the people we're drinking to sponsor us but uh you empire you don't have to sponsor us uh please don't send us more of this this uh this will exist within this episode and then we will move on with our lives and uh preferably not look back yeah this might be the the worst one we've had yet and it's not like bad in that it's bad it's bad in that it's why yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about Rome. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, so I did minor research on this. I didn't go super deep. I only got two and a half pages. Uh, <laughs> watched uh, Crash Course History on YouTube. Checked out a few Wikipedia articles. And uh, so Rome was the first democracy-esque thing on a large scale. Uh, Athens was a democracy, but it wasn't super large scale like Rome was. Uh, Rome came 
the democracy in Rome was a republic that came out of uh, a bunch of feudalistic systems and kings and monarchies beforehand. Um, when Rome first started giving people the right to vote, there were two people, the aristocracy and the plebeians, and the aristocracy was the main voting party. Um, they had a system not too unsimilar from our own, where there was like a president and vice president, but they only served one-year terms. They weren't called um, president. They were called councils. And then there was a senate um, as well and the assemblies, which were the main voting party. So they had three branches per se. Very true. Yes. Um, one of the more interesting things I saw in it was some of these other titles they had. So they had a title called Dictator, uh, which was when Rome was under siege, they would give all the political power to some general to protect Rome. And the whole concept was when you were done being dictator, you would surrender power back to the people. The people. And shockingly, that actually used to happen quite a bit before things started to break down. Before uh, Caesar? Yeah, well, no, Caesar wasn't the first one. Caesar's just the most famous one. Oh, okay. um, but uh, yeah, there was a guy, uh, his name was like Clevius or something. Cleveland is named after him. He was one of the first generals who, after his uh, term as dictator, gave it over, went back to being a farmer, and is actually kind of where George uh, Washington pulled the inspiration to serve two terms, then go back to being who you are, uh, was from this guy in Rome. So... That is fascinating. Yeah. So, in your research, how, how, do you know how many people surrendered power back before it got fucked up? Or No, I don't. But I know that uh, 40 years before Caesar, there was a guy that pretty much did what Caesar did. He's just not as famous, and he, you know declared himself dictator, never surrendered power back and all that fun stuff. And then after Caesar, it pretty much became an empire at that point right. and was no longer a republic. One of the things I listened to had a big debate whether or not how long Rome was actually a republic for, how long before it became an empire, even if it wasn't a declared empire. And their claim was pretty much like once Rome spread outside of Italy, it got too big to control and stopped being a republic at that point. Because at its peak, the Roman Empire spread from like Spain into France, through Italy, over to um, parts of Egypt, and I think Jordan was involved in that. And I mean, yep. it, the Roman Empire, when it officially fell became the ottoman empire and there's some historians that say the roman empire actually continued in the ottoman empire which means that the roman empire lasted from like 400 bc to about 1500 ce there was almost a 2000 year empire 
just it wasn't always in Rome per se. Right. So makes sense. All uh, right, I can see that. Yeah. Well, I think that concept of giving over supreme power to a single individual with the hope that they'll give it back is very from a psychological standpoint it's interesting i wonder i wonder if it was a high level trust on the citizens believing that the person that would take up that mantle had interest of everybody at heart or if it was the um, rich and powerful at the top believing that they were more powerful than whoever themselves dictator and knew that if it got too you know too bad they could take back their power I think it came down to the fact that dictators were normally military generals and there might have been a concept at that time that military generals weren't the political people. They really saw them as different classes of people, even in Rome. So that like, hey, we're giving you all this political power we know you don't actually want, but you need it to be able to protect the city, to make all the, you know, you need to declare that, hey, sorry, Zone 2, you're getting no grains because those grains have to go to these troops, which are defending this portion of the wall from invaders and at the end of it you're not going to want that kind of power it's too much right you need to protect us so we're going to remove all red tape and bureaucracy yeah which is an interesting concept i mean to be fair if your entire livelihood is put on the line i mean do you really want the person who's tasked with defending your nation to not be able to have the resources they have because they have to go through red tape. I mean, I mean, perfect parallel to the United States. I mean, the beginnings of the revolutionary war, (coughs) the beginnings of the revolutionary war, you can edit that out. (laughs) The beginnings of the revolutionary war were so, um, difficult because Washington constantly had to go back to Congress and was like, we need supplies, we need uh, reinforcements, we need troops, we need food, we need clothing. I mean, at that same concept, I think there's an exact reason why the American president is commander and chief of the armed forces along with being president. Because by having that not split off, you're able to make those decisions easier. And America went in and put in other protections instead. Right. We put in different protections than what... Yeah, it sounds like Rome's basic protection was pick the guy who isn't going to want to do politics. He'll just burn out and be like... I'm done. I've I've saved the country. I'm going I'm I'm going back to my farm. Fuck off. Yeah. You know, I thought the other thing was really interesting was the um whole aristocracy versus plebeians and that the plebeians, the 
working class didn't have power originally, but they struggled, got power. They were able to get their own sort of council and more seats representing them. But it makes me think a lot of today also what's happening with America and, you know, people saying that we're an oligarchy now. I mean, aren't the if we were, weren't the oligarchs would be the aristocracy, the rich ruling class. So. It's interesting. Uh, They're talking about the different level, the different branches of government. So there was the um, Senate. And then there was the assembly. Yes. So how were members of the Senate chosen? Did they represent specific areas or was it more they're the, you know, was it lineage or status that allowed you to join the Senate? Senate was a lot of the aristocracy. So they were like the nobles back under the monarchy rule. And when they came up to the Republic, they still wanted their power, so they got the Senate. The Senate was lifetime terms. They couldn't make any laws, but they were the advice and consent for the councils, the presidents. Uh, what I found interesting was they controlled state finance and directed religious life. Um, now, that obviously changed when Christianity hit Rome, but for a long time, Rome had their Roman gods. And uh, what... <sighs> What I found interesting, because this is something we have today, is they met in private to avoid public scrutiny and allow freedom of speech. It was a different understanding of what freedom of speech was. It was that, well, you are representing the people. You can say whatever you need to say in the Senate, and we won't charge you for crimes for saying those things. It's fascinating. Which, I mean is debatable that maybe that is what Jefferson was and all the other founders were thinking of with freedom of speech, not what we declare freedom of speech today, but more of a political freedom of speech. Yeah. It, the whole thing, the whole Roman early system is it sounds like, sounds like, there's a lot of trust in the, the human condition. Trust that people will stand by their word and will act in the best interest of other people. <laughs> I can just see the face. I know our, our listeners are only listening, but uh, Jake's face on uh, take sip is just... But to go back to, to my point, there is a very high level of trust in the early Republic of Rome, which is not surprising to me that it collapsed into an empire with, you know, that concept of freedom of speech is a, to me, it's a terrifying one because it basically means that someone could pledge their allegiance one way the closed doors of the Senate be like, yeah, no, I, I have no intention of uh, getting more grain for the people that live in my part of the um, 
Republic. Uh, we're going to give it all to over there because he promised me a goat. I, I don't know what the levels of wealth are back then, so maybe uh, frankincense. <laughs> it, it was gold. It was gold. <laughs> I think what I found interesting as I was going through this is I found it more interesting looking at the fall of the Republic and rise of the Roman empire. Um, you know, I was telling 40 years before Caesar, there was another person who acted like Caesar. Then Caesar came and that was pretty much where the, um, the Republic truly fell. And we then got with Caesar Augustus and, uh, you know, Egypt's empire kind of fell because of those actions, because uh, uh, Cleopatra backed Caesar, then she backed Mark Anthony, which was the wrong horse, which caused that empire to fall. And then... Ptolemies! Yeah. Uh, Christianity hit the Roman Empire, and then Christianity became the true religion. The, you know, the head of the religion was set up in Rome proper and then as the empire started to crumble the pope got all this power and Rome wasn't there to check him and the head of government was moved to Constantinople and the eastern uh, Catholicism or eastern Christian religions were formed and it's just interesting to see especially I was telling you I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla and what's glossed over I think a lot of times when talking about British history was it was a Roman place. There were a lot of Roman buildings in Britain. And when Rome right. fell, a lot of areas that were under Rome's control started having, Oh shit. Our protection system is gone. Right. Which right. Led, led to all the other Western history in that sphere. <laughs> right you basically create a huge power vacuum but yeah. with that you it's the vulnerabilities because you had people who relative security in might and power and wealth and then Rome falls and all of a sudden they're left out there in the cold I think I found that more interesting to me than the Republic itself. Cause the Republic seemed to be, I don't know. I, I guess I did kind of relate it to the U S in that the Republic was a great system when Rome was just Rome. The constitution was a system drift drafted for a U.S. that was 13 States that were semi-independent. We are now 50 States with Puerto Rico this year voting <laughs> for statehood. Um, whether the House will adopt that and the Senate will adopt it is another story, but we could become 51 states. And the question is, does democracy fall when you get too big to be democratic? Well, that's what the grand experiment is, isn't it? Can we succeed where all others have failed? And on a quick side note, while I'm all in favor of Puerto Rico becoming a state, I've for years now because there's always been people who are like Puerto Rico should be a state Rico shouldn't be a state up until now they've always voted no they voted yes great let them become a state 
from a selfish standpoint, I don't want to have to get a new flag. 50 <laughs> stars, it's great, it's wonderful. State, please, just to balance out my OCD, because I have no fucking clue how you're going to get 51 stars on the flag and get it to look good. We're going to have, like, one one star in the center, and then, like, everything out in, like, a spiral pattern. I, I don't know, maybe spell something out. Or... Just, just like stick an extra star, sort of like on the end. It'll look awkward. Sort of like, yeah, we know, but it's. I mean, how many for the one we have now? How many versions? There was like a national contest and like third grader one, which he's probably like sixty now. But more power. So, <laughs> I don't know. Like, imagine like any other country's flag. Let's take like France for a second, where it's got the three colors. So do, you know, left and right is the 11, uh, or sorry, the 13 red and white stripes. The middle section is blue with 51 stars somehow arranged in there. Or we merge North and South Dakota, so we're still only 50 states. Oh, that's, well, wait. Um, how about instead of that, we split New York into the two that it needs to be, and then we have 52. Does 52 fit right, though? It'll be easier because you can have even evenness. <laughs> like what we have, what we have now. I mean, it's a it's a pattern, but it's an even number. So it's a pattern is easy when it's even. <laughs> yes. Welcome to flag talk. We're here to design <laughs> the flag once Puerto Rico becomes a state. Yeah, you came here thinking. We are going to have a delicious beer and uh, Rome chat, and we've gone way off the rails. Well, it started well, with another... the beer. Uh, yeah, this has just thrown us all off. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, to, to our regular four listeners, uh, I would apologize, but I mean, you're doing this to yourself, so it's kind of on. This is a you problem. It's kind of on you. This is going to become like if we ever get big enough, I'm going to have to go back, find this episode, and like make it a hidden episode. Uh, like, for our Patreon listeners, like, hey, we, we actually took that episode off because that episode was just so weird. This is the lost episode. Oh, I mean, I, I think the other thing we're coming off of is, you know, we're reeling off the end of the election, too. I mean, to bring it into modern politics or the presumed end to the election, at least. Oh, this shit's never going to end. Uh, this is our new reality. But much like Rome, that went off the rails a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Rome worked well, out okay. perfectly fine, right? No, yeah, totally fine. Uh, I see I see no problems. It's not like they and quoted it. Yeah, let that one let that one marinate and hit. Okay. Um, you did research on Rome. Yeah. I again did nothing. That's how we do this. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. If you needed an example of the two of us, Jake is Moose. I'm Bull. Okay. I. Shit up. 
spew my opinions and move on. Jake is uh, Jake is the moose. He's uh, yeah armed. If you try and fuck with him, he will destroy you. <laughs> Fun fact. 20 feet or 20 meters. I don't know which one. I know it's a big difference between the two. But the fact that it can swim down more than a foot makes no sense. Why the fuck does a moose need to be on the bottom? Yeah, this is just going to be a weird episode because we're all thrown off and I'm in the Jake had to pick. The, <laughs> the dirty glass <laughs> Well, we'll definitely drink something better next time and hopefully not be off of our game as much. Okay, so with Rome, I'll try and get us. Republic stage, were there laws and how, and if there were, how were those laws formed? So there were laws. Um, It seems like a lot of the voting came from the assemblies. Uh, The council's really determine the laws and then the Senate advised on it. The assemblies were the voting body though. And okay. what I found interesting is they didn't really have a written book of law for the longest time, which meant like there must've been someone who's just like, I am the keeper of laws. Oh yes. <laughs> that, that specific thing, this law applies to it. And they all had to be like, how do you know that? Like it's not written down anywhere. Well, my father taught me the laws and his father before him. And, you know, we update them when, you know, something gets passed. But these are the laws. (laughs) I bring you these 15 crash zero commandments because they're not written down anywhere. (laughs) If the assembly was the voting branch, was the Senate more just an advisory branch? Yeah, so it was the advisory branch for the councils is really what it comes down to. Um, So where, like, today the president has his chief of staff and... Your, like, uh, senior staff? His senior staff, that was the Senate. Okay. Um, And then the assemblies, there were two uh, main assemblies and a bunch of minor assemblies, which were, like, when Rome kind of formed, there were these tribal groups that were kind of independent, and they're like... Yeah, you're an assembly now. We're not going to take your power away. But you're an assembly. And you report up to the councils in the long run. So the smaller assemblies would be considered more like local government. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like how you have, uh, you know, state legislator, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. But then there were the two main ones that were more of the federal assemblies. And then the other thing about the councils that were interesting, you know... um, they serve for one year term uh, and cannot serve consecutive terms. They were voted for by the assemblies. <coughs> and at the end of their term, the assembly held them accountable for what they did in their one year term. So like the assembly usually gave them titles of nobility at the end of their term. But, a council could serve another term. It just couldn't be consecutive. I think it had to be 10 years apart between terms. 10 years. I get to serve for one year. Jeez. Yeah, that broke down all the time. That came out really 
in my research is that 10 year thing was not followed. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those, uh, you know, they, they would occasionally forget that rule cause, cause it wasn't written. Yeah. It's a fascinating concept. I understand what they're trying to go. We've basically done the same thing and that's with, you know, presidential term limits not being passed too. But I mean, Jesus Christ, you can only serve for one year and you got 10 years after, you know, you got to wait. It's a, very long loading screen there um yeah yeah and it was interesting that the councils aren't voted for by the people they're voted by the assemblies the assemblies are a collection of the people but it's not a direct vote and everywhere along the system i'm like this is a system that does not work when you get too big could you imagine like changing that council every year when the Roman Empire spanned its mass, like, how do you even do that? Like, it doesn't work. And that's right. why the system broke There's, down the, and became you, I mean, an empire. At, at the size the Roman Empire was at its peak, I mean, it could take you a year to travel from one side to another. By the time you inform someone that they have a new council, it's, oh, yeah, um, they just, they're... Like this person, Thaddeus, he's uh, he's the new councilman. Oh, that's great! Yeah, they're voting for a new one tomorrow. I'll uh, I'll be back in a year to let you know who that one was. Um, well, and I think that's what I find interesting, you know, too, like about Caesar, is like, so Caesar was born in Rome, then was made the governor of Spain, then the governor of Gaul. Um, which is France now, and then decided Rome wasn't doing right and marched on Rome as a dictator to take Rome back for Romans. And that's how he became the empire. And then his Senate disagreed with them, so they stabbed him to death. Because (laughs) at that time, the Senate still had some sort of power. And then when was the Senate pretty much disbanded? Was that under... It seems like the Senate was never really disbanded. Um, but at it some was point more their the power assemblies. was gutted. Well, they never really had legislative power. They were always advising consent. Oh, okay. So the Senate seemed to have stuck around for the emperor, but the assemblies were disbanded. Those are the legislative body that the emperor took the power from. Got you. I will say, going back, the idea that at the end of a consul's term that uh, they're basically held accountable for everything they did, and it kind of sounds like they were given a report card. Yeah, I mean, that would, I mean exactly that would what it be kind like. of... I think that should kind of be instituted now. I mean, because it's... I mean, especially in America... A two-term president, their second term, they can pretty much do whatever the fuck they want, within reason. But they can't get reelected. And it's kind of like, with, with certain presidents, their first term is subdued and mundane. Because, you know, there's always that lofty goal of, you know, well, I, I want to run for a second term. And then this term, it's like, well, fuck it, I can't win again. I'm going to try and push through all the things that, you know, I want to get done. 
political consequences be damned. But imagine if they got to the end and then they was like, <laughs> all right, Mr. President, we're going to sit you down and we're going to we're going to go through all of this. And, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to you know tell you what you did right, what you did wrong. And maybe we're going to hold you accountable for things. I mean, Nixon. Like, even if you resign, you still got to sit down. Look, you you know you fucked up. <laughs> you got... Okay. You're not being impeached. You resigned. Good for you. But uh, there's still a few things we need to clarify here. I mean... <laughs> so it's come to the vote of the people. You have two options. What do you think of the last president? Should they keep their presidential paycheck and secret service detail or did they do a bad job and show we pull their secret service detail and their presidential paycheck for the remainder of their life people vote (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i mean that would be it i mean that would be an interesting thing to put it like so then the question becomes how do you do it so in rome it was the assembly that would, like, review everything that took yeah, place over the year. And... How the fuck did anything get done in Rome? Like, this just sounds like there's just a whole lot of pencil pushing going on. It sounded So there was a there was a political class, is what it and comes down to. And that's all they did. That was their just job. this bullshit. Oh, yeah. my God. I would, I would not want to be in that class. I'd get bored like, in a day. There was a war class, there was a, a producing class, there was a political class. It was a very structured life. And it sounded like it took, excuse me, at least in the Republic, a lot to move between those classes. And that's why the plebes fought so much to get representation. Because originally, the workers didn't have representation. And one of the things that came up is there was a lot of riots and internal wars that led to more representation for the common people. So quick side note, did Caesar come to power with the support of the plebes or it started like he had the support of the majority of Romans, Um, whether it was, you know, how that split out. I don't know, but Caesar was a highly supported person very charismatic especially with that haircut yeah and i it it, yeah that haircut with the the crown on it uh what i think it came down to was the political class didn't like caesar (sighs) oh maybe they just didn't like this beer (laughs) i think that you know they drink this beer in rome and uh put some mercury (laughs) in it while they were at it well, I, I still think the concept of reviewing a president at the end of their term would be a fascinating thing. Basically, I mean, I guess I will pose this question to you. Should it be the people that decide or do we leave it up to the House and the Senate? To basically give a final score, you know final report card well you got us into x number of wars so many people died but you didn't really handle the war correctly we're gonna give you a six out of ten 
I, I don't know what the results of the report card would be, but if you were to do it, I think what you would have to do is it would be the House and the Senate voting together as a single body in that case. So it would be, you know, however many senators plus how many member of House um, people. I think it's 538 or something. Well, it's, it's the number of electorals. Yeah, which I think is 538. Um, okay. So you give them vote. And then I think the other thing is you you don't do the House and Senate during their end of term. You don't do it during the lame duck. You do it within the first three months of the new president taking place. Because now the people get to speak on who they want representing them in the House and Senate. And now these people judge the president. But what are the results of it? Right. What, what are the results of us judging the president? Yeah, I mean, the, the the ramifications for political blowback are astronomical, and you could get a pr- president who is fantastic, who just you know his party lost re-election, and uh, you know they're just going to like, nope, you got you got an F. I mean, it really the economy to me was too good. <laughs> it really to me seems like Pontius Pilate bringing Jesus on the balcony in front of the people and voting for his sentence. Like that is what we're talking about with the president right right now. Like literally having like the secretary of state, march the president out onto the balcony (laughs) of Congress and being like, so do you vote for this man to live or die? (laughs) What should his pension be? No. Oh no. Okay. Never mind. Never mind. You get three secret service. You get Vote. three Ritz. You get three Ritz cred. The the <laughs> the the uh, the people have spoken. You shall be awarded three Ritz crackers and a hat. <laughs> Good day to you, sir. Yeah, I could. Yeah, that could be a disaster. I mean, it would be fun. <laughs> it would be interesting. I'd pay to watch it. But uh, yeah, that would devolve real quick. It's very I mean, like, idiocracy territory. Yeah. Yeah, like, were were you popular enough? Did you do enough for me? Yeah, like it's a dangerous, dangerous move to do that. I mean, man. granted, if you can't run again for another ten years, I mean, you know, it's fine. Yeah, and it seemed like a lot of times it just resulted in them being a title of nobility, which is something right. we don't have. Right. Like, you know, are you going to be a duke or are you going to be an earl or Yeah, whatever I, mean, I think if it was a different story if, you know, at the end of the presidency we could go, "Okay, Mr. Trump, you shall be the Duke of West Palm Beach, Florida." <laughs> or nothing at all. Oh, actually, right. Or, right. It's, Where's Mar-a-Lago? Where uh I don't know which it's, well, Yeah, it's West Palm Beach or Is it near West Palm? Yeah, yeah. Around there. The Palm yeah, Beach you should, area. You shall be the Duke of West Palm Beach, Florida. I mean, that would be that would be interesting. Like, basically, you know, okay. So you were president. You are either going to be a citizen or, oh my gosh, could you imagine if local government was decided this way? <laughs> All right, you've been the president. Your time is done. We will now vote. Based on how you were as president, you will either go back to being a regular citizen or you will be a councilman, a mayor, or a governor. Ooh. 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 Or you get to come back around and you can be in, like, the house. <laughs> I, I've always found it interesting. I, I thought 
one thing that should come up is um, the Council of Presidents. And they're kind of like a check on presidential authority that all former living presidents get to join the Council of Presidents. And this is not fully fleshed out. But they can like kind of hop in and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is a bad idea. Like, they don't actually have the ability to stop a president from doing anything. But they're advisors to the president in terms when, like, it might be, you know, you need more advice than just your cabinet. Right. And kind of like a kind of like a UN. Yeah, but it's just so the former speak. presidents that are still right. alive and they're just there to be like, hey, when I was president, you know, I did this in this situation and they kind of have the ability to speak up and they're probably mostly respected by the American people. Like, I think if there was a council that had Jimmy Carter, Clinton, Bush, Obama, excuse me. I think those are the living ones right now because Trump's not technically a former president yet. Um, there'd be a relatively respected board. Um, and, you know, only a couple years ago, Bush Sr. would have been on that, too. Right. Um, and, like, the only ways that you could be removed from the Council of President was if you were impeached, which, I mean, technically, Clinton was impeached, so he wouldn't be on the Council of Presidents. Or if this yeah, board said... Or, you know, at the end of your review cycle, they're like, you did such a bad job, we don't want you on the Council of Presidents. I kind of think, I like the idea of Council of Presidents, but I don't think to, um, I think, uh, even if you were impeached, that just means you can't currently be president anymore. I think... If you're president of the United States and you're still alive, you're on the council. I like the idea of the council. I think they should have – I don't think they should have any legislative yeah. or executive authority. I think it – like the UN, it's a little bit ceremonial. It's a collection of all former presidents. But I think any opinions or anything they share has to be sort of like the Supreme Court. There's a majority opinion if they agree, and if there's a current president that disagrees, they, they, I mean, it's it's not going to serve a huge purpose, but it's a resource that a president could tap into. Um, but the reason why I would say even if you know, a president was impeached, they should still be on the council because they're technically still a president. You know, they served as a president. You know, if you're impeached, you know, Clinton's entire presidency wasn't wiped out. Um, I guess maybe and, impeached and convicted. You shouldn't be able on to be on it. I would still, I would still say you can be on it. I mean, let's be honest. There are countries in the UN that have no business being in the UN because you know what what they do I don't, yeah just I I'm think it's an interesting concept the council of presidents yeah it would be entertaining to say yeah. the least I know what the punishment can be if they give you a bad report card no presidential library 
Oh. None? Not even None. like a little one? Like I take the local one by my house and I just like, this is the Aaron. The Aaron Have you ever seen library. Donald J. Trump State Park? No. So Trump bought this property that he couldn't do anything with. And as a tax write-off, he donated it to the state. And the state didn't do anything with it. It's a state park with a bunch of rundown buildings in it. If you get kicked off the council, or if you get, you know, a bad report card, that's what you get. A shitty state (laughs) park. We're going to find a dilapidated piece of land and we're naming it a park after you. On a side note, I don't understand the whole thing with presidential libraries. Like, why is that a a thing? That's going to have to be a different podcast. uh, LBJ one, and it was a beautiful piece of architecture. I didn't get it. It's a history museum dedicated to one person and the time period they were president. But architecturally, it was a beautiful piece of architecture. From the outside, it was a giant brick building that had no at all life to it. But on the inside, it was a beautiful piece of architecture. I don't get it other than that, though. It's... I don't get it. It's like a mini museum. Right. Congratulations. You got your museum. It's supposed to hold their writings and stuff. We have, we have technology now. I know. God. I still I, think, I think this is the I solution. Give them a shitty state park. If they get a bad vote. And they get so, a that's, so that's how the vote, that's how the vote works. It's going to go one of two ways. You're either going to get a, uh, presidential library of your choosing or a piece of shitty land somewhere that you're not allowed to do anything with and you got to leave it as is like in happy yeah, gilmore you got to play it where you. it lies yeah uh we we have this uh oh i have a better one instead of a shitty piece of land just named after you whatever your greatest what gets named after you so like if obama got a bad report card guess what flint michigan is now obama (laughs) michigan (laughs) this is the obama water supply so wait you're telling me new orleans louisiana would have been named bush louisiana (laughs) yes i think it would have fit a little bit better where are you going this weekend? Going down to the bush. <laughs> it always smells there. I know. <laughs> it's not very clean. I know. <laughs> God, now I'm trying to think of like what each president's worst thing would be to name after him. And I'm like... guessing uh, for Clinton, we would just have to rename Victoria's Secret. But... <laughs> and, and like to me, like... For Reagan, it's like, well, Iran-Contra is no longer Iran-Contra. It's the Reagan <laughs> affair. <laughs> oh. And, like, Carter, I don't know, like, I don't know enough about Carter to say what his bad achievement would be. And Trump would get the year 2020 named after him. hmm Like, it'd be called the Trump what year. Y- what year's that? Well, we had 2019. We had Trump. And then we had uh, 2021. Oh, yeah. Although I will say some of my favorite memes that I've seen on like TikTok and stuff are uh, people having like it's basically angel miscommunication with God. 
and it uh, was oh did you have all of the uh plan out all the events for the 2020s i'm sorry the 2020s i I thought you said 2020 did you just pack 10 years of events in one year yes yes they did oh they're so fucked so do you know who sarah cooper is it sounds familiar so she's that comedian on twitter that takes the trump speeches and she just mouths the trump speech while acting really weird while saying trump's words so she got a comedy special on uh, Netflix that we watched the other week. And uh, it was pretty funny. It was like she was like a news a- anchor having to do a whole hour and a half news segment. And things just slowly devolved and devolved. Like <laughs> She had the first fully AI C- CEO. And midway through the interview, it got announced that he had a sexual assault, assault cream uh, by a fax machine from him. Okay. So... The end of the sketch is literally her like going into the the monitor room with all the monitors of the different screens and the two guys talking and they're like talking and going, OK, boss, I got the floods in 2020 and uh, in 2021, we have Australia on fire and they go through like all these events that happened through uh, 2020. They're like, all right, in 2024, we got a guy in China eats a bat and it causes a virus. Like they go through all this and like it cuts to a desk in there and someone it's the devil. And she goes, put it all in 2020. Like, <laughs> are you sure boss? Yes. I said all of it in 2020. So. That's hilarious. Wow. We've really devolved in this podcast. I think it was the beer. I'm going to say it was the beer. I mean, we had such grand plans to talk about Rome. Um, okay. Uh, I can I can get us back on track, which will devolve again in another five minutes. Sorry to our four listeners that probably just went down to three. Um, but, uh, okay. So, politics under a dictator. Or under Caesar. Yeah. Is that just a straight with the senate advising and not being listened to yeah i mean that's what it started out as and it devolved further and further from there um to a true empire with an emperor uh caesar augustus uh, a couple other ones some emperors brought christianity to rome which arguably led to rome's fall um i mean with how rome was structured i mean that kind of makes sense if if there was always pull with the working class and the plebeians i mean you look at ancient says hierarchy is the biggest thing christianity had going for it has going for it is it pretty much eliminates the class structure from a religious standpoint because you know most other religions were you know if you're poor when you die you're gonna stay poor the rich i mean look at you know greek and roman you know the rich are able to have a funeral and be ceremonially uh, interred you know you put the coins on the eyes so that you have passage in the river sticks if you're too poor you become a wandering soul and you're never going to be able to pass into the afterlife christianity and goes off of the basis of it doesn't matter that you're poor and have a shitty you are a good person you'll be rewarded in the end that 
gives people who have been told that they're shit their entire life oldness to you know what i deserve it in this life too yeah it really was a cult of the people when it started out um so yeah it was adopted and then rome really started to fracture at that point um rome centrally started to fall the emperor moved to byzantium uh constantinople the capital was moved rome itself started to fall to what they called barbarians they tried to integrate the barbarians into their army and a lot of the barbarians just became sellswords local and loyal to their local political leaders which led to the fall of the empire it was too vast to control and that was where the emperor came from it was too vast for little local governments to control under national rule and then it was too vast to control under emperor rule especially excuse me with the way messages traveled during that time right wasn't like the internet and i could be like hey uh we're facing an uprising here in uh Egypt. We could use some troops. Right. Oh, yeah, I'll get them on a plane. <coughs> They'll be there in 24 hours. We we need about a couple dozen cavalry units and that uh, new trebuchet thing to Jakarta. Uh, really help out. Thanks. Yeah, like hey, the, the Spanish are getting kind of restless. Can we get some like troops in Spain? Yeah, they'll be there tomorrow. That, that's not how it worked back then. No. Like that's why you need an there. overarching authority to pretty much just be in control. Yeah. This is the ruling. Spread it across the land. Right. Do as they say. And you couldn't have leadership changing every year. Because as oh, you said, God. like, yeah. <laughs> it got to, got to <laughs> Jakarta and they're like, hey, uh, this is the emperor. Uh, I'm going to start my run back to Rome and next year I'll I'll come back and I'll tell you the emperor the last day or the the council the last day uh, we'll just keep the cycle in place because you only get one year with this person right by the way we gave him a b minus that What's... means he gets a a nice ish building named after him it's yeah. kind of falling apart we're not going to really renovate it yeah it's not quite the presidential library it's uh it it's the the presidential um oh god what would be like a what would be like a mediocre thing like you're not bad but you're not good so like good is the library bad is you know your worst failure gets named after you or like a it's just a shitty dave and busters <laughs> <laughs> or or um uh like a like a shitty regional airport <laughs> that, that has like six six gates on it and uh, three flights a day. LaGuardia just gets keep changing the name <laughs> to the last president. No, they keep adding it to the, the name of LaGuardia. Uh, or um, oh, what would be a good one? Oh, like oh no, I got it, I got it. If if you're a mediocre president, not great, not good enough to get a library named after you, but not bad enough to get a failure, what you get named after you 
is a um, a multi-space office building <laughs> that was very clearly a pizza hut at one place. Have you turned a pizza hut into a multi-space office building? I have seen an urgent care that used to be a pizza hut. Yeah, no, I've seen a Starbucks that used to be a Friendly's. That makes sense, but a multi-purpose office space? You just gut it, put up walls, and and there you go. Here's the thing about Pizza Huts. Like, most other chains, chain restaurants, when they go out, they get torn down. I don't know what it is about Pizza Hut, There's but one they on- must have built those buildings so securely that it's more cost effective to gut them and leave them as they are than it is to tear it down and build something new. Like There's one on Monroe. <laughs> no one out pizzas the hut. No one out builds the hut. Now that I think about <laughs> it, like if you get a B, you get a shitty strip mall named after you. <laughs> but like a re like a, um, like a small town strip mall. Yeah, and there's that one has, storefront like, it, it, that's dedicated towards selling your stuff. Yeah, but everything else is just. But it's not like stuff. good stuff. It's like we got presidential snow globes. Do you have any of the the pins? No, we don't have the p- pins. And it's constantly got a, a storefront that like used to be a J.C. Penney's or used to be a Sears. It's in a, such a small town that they didn't have a mall. So the J.C. Penney's was in a strip mall, uh, or you know, uh, a sign that's always up, coming soon, Old Navy. But the Old Navy, never <laughs> it never got there. Next to your president, presidential gift shop. Ooh, that's it. It's a you get a presidential gift shop in the presidential uh, strip mall plaza. Yeah, <laughs> it's the mediocre in your hometown. Wherever yes. that is. Yes. Oh, hometown or birth town? Ooh. I think it should be birth town. Yeah, sure. Birth town. We've no, devolved from Roman politics again. Oh, we can't keep on track with this we've one gone today. Far, far off the rails. Well, here's what I will say, because I'm going to guess we're wrapping up soon, just because we just keep going off the rails. If you really want to know about Roman politics and get the whole thing down in like 25 minutes, Crash Course History on YouTube had a really good thing. I watched them. They did something back in 2012 about Roman uh, history, and that's where I got most of my notes from. They, They did a really good job wrapping up Roman history. Not so much politics, but the history of Rome. Um, We've provided the political insight. Yeah, I mean, it was a hard political system to investigate because it required me diving down in way more detail than a lot of the stuff we have today has caused me. Because a lot of the stuff we've gone through, I've studied up on. Roman politics is something that's really glossed over in school. You know, you talk about Caesar. Right. You talk a little bit about it being a republic, but they don't go into the nitty gritty of Roman politics. And it's not like I specialized in Roman politics. Right. So. 
I think it's fascinating, and I think I think it should be studied more. I think we should. I think it shouldn't be glossed over in school because you're right. It, when ancient Rome is taught, it's basically taught from. Caesar forwards and I mean there's a lot I mean the kind of that we discussed you know of their political structure that, that has laid the groundwork for political structures in our current system and I think learning about the building blocks and where we come from is more important than you know the the glitzy you know glamorous parts well i think it's because partially when we teach these subjects in school we teach greek we teach athens we teach right. socrates we teach uh plato we even teach the greek gods zeus uh hercules you know people don't talk about even though the planets are named after them, Jupiter, Mars, uh, Uranus, they don't talk about the Roman philosophers as much. They don't talk about the Roman politics as much because it's taught of like, eh, there was this government, then there was Caesar, and then this other government, and then, you know, this guy forced Rome to become Christian, and that's how Catholicism spread, and right. that's Rome. It's basically like... Yeah, yeah, Rome was Greek 2.0. Learned about Greek, then adapt it. That's Rome. And then it fell apart and fucked up the rest of the world. There you go. You're done. Let's move on. I mean, I remember being taught about in Roman middle school, and it pretty much was the whole heavy focus was on Greek. And then Rome was pretty much like, yeah, they changed the names of the gods. Yeah. Their philosophers weren't as good. Yeah, no. And what's crazy is Rome spread so far. It spread into France and Britain and you know it spread into the east and into Spain and into the tips of Africa. It was a vast empire that affected a huge part of the world, but we want to teach it as here was Greece. Well, Greece was a Roman territory at one point after Greece. Right. So I think Rome's more important and it's not taught as hard, which made this also harder to research because I didn't have as much of a backing to go into it. You heard it here first. The Bull and Moon Tavern wants to teach more well, Rome. I want to teach in general, not to the test like we have been. Add that to the list. So, I don't know. Rome was interesting, but was chaotic. It was very chaotic. Kind of like wine drink. kind of like empire deep purple 
chaos in a canon, not in a good way. Not in a good way. you this entire podcast but but uh, uh obviously that you know like no we we fucked up yeah we we thought this would be good it wasn't it no. wasn't and we apologize this episode is going to be interesting because you've frozen multiple times while talking. I don't know what the audio is going to be like. This is definitely like our weirdest episode yet. This is the weird one. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to name this one. Like, Romish? The one where we really didn't stay on track at all? Wow, my computer is just completely glitching at this point. We should probably call it a night. We should. Aaron, even though this was our weirdest episode, it was still (laughs) enjoyable. This was fascinating. Jake, thank you for uh, inviting me to the tavern once again. Always a pleasure. Well, since we have not combed up with a true sign-off, fuck it, we're doing it live. <laughs> fuck it, we'll do it live, I'll write it, and we'll do it. <laughs> and you know what? We'll leave you with uh, a cut of Sting from his new album to play us out. Take it away, Jay. Goodbye! Podcast this. <laughs>